0: Amen. Well, that is something that you and I can be part of. It's coming up very soon. It should have happened last year, but it obviously got delayed because of COVID. But what a great opportunity to pick a place on the 630 miles of the Southwest Coast Path, which starts in Somerset, North Devon, Cornwall, South Cornwall, South Devon, East Devon, and all the way across to Dorset choose a spot, one of the 630 spots on the map, and then say, on that day, at that time, I'm going to join an army of God's people prophesying over this land that these bones will live. Hear the word of the Lord. What a great moment to be a part of, eh? And if ever there was a time right now that that the Southwest needs a prophetic voice, now is surely that time. So church, do go onto the website Book your place with the many people who already have done that. And if you can find a space that's not been taken, that's particularly helpful. But if not, then you can have multiple people at some of the same location. Wonderful. Let's pray for God's Word. Still our hearts before you, Lord. We invite you to not simply stimulate our thinking or capture our imaginations. We ask your word to go deep into our hearts. To shake out the things of this world that need to be removed. And to bring in the things of the kingdom that need to replace them. We pray that today, we wouldn't just share your word together, but that we will encounter it together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is week two of our series called There is More Than Enough. And we're looking at that psalm that Isan read as we were introduced to communion this morning. And I hope that maybe you've got your Bibles ready where we're going to look at Psalm 23 together, whether that's at home or here in the building. But it's good to see you in the building. Who's not been in the building for maybe 13 months? Come on, let's give these guys a cheer. Welcome to you. Fantastic. And um, who's recently, in the last... Um, whether it's during the season online or in the last few months, who has started to identify that Rediscover is their spiritual home and family? Would you just give us a wave if that's you? Come on, let's give a cheer to these precious people. <laughs> Wonderful. And those of you online as well, if you identify with either of those things, then maybe we could give all our online viewers a cheer this morning. Could we, could we just do that? Thank you. What a week it's been. Every week is full of moving stories, realities of things taking place across the globe that stir us, shake us, captivate us. And this has been no exception. I was just summarizing earlier this morning of some of my thoughts of the the last week that has been we saw the conviction of that police officer who murdered George Floyd last year. We've been praying that justice would be done, and it has been done. But we're aware of just the sheer pain that that has represented of years of racial discrimination and abuse and injustice that takes place across the globe, and it didn't end with that conviction that there is still much to do. Greed has been in the headlines this week. We saw that some of the, I'm not gonna say the most successful, but some of the maybe more more popular football teams decided last Sunday to announce that they were gonna break away and create a super league with others across Europe. And then after fan power rose up and said, not on our watch, it's not happening, I think one of the signs of one of the fans outside the Chelsea Stadium was, I don't want to lose my night with a pie in Stoke-on-Trent. And uh, I thought it was quite humorous, but representing a serious point. But within a few days, that was turned over, and those clubs retracted. But the damage of greed has been exposed and seen, and people know there's a problem that's there. Just in the last few days, our attention has been drawn to accusations of lack of ethics in our politics and our politicians. And we know that the standards of high office, the standards, to be honest, of not just when you're in a public role, but in any role in life, we should be trustworthy. We should be people who are good to our word, and we should be people who lay ourselves down, particularly leadership. You know, leadership is a place where the leaders eat last. You know, we don't, it's not, a it's, It may look like the shape of a pyramid, but it's laid flat. We're all level. We're all on the same level together in different positions. And ethics is really important. And that's been raised in our press this week. There are other stories. Think of the thousands, hundreds of thousands of fellow humans in India that are being hospitalized without access to oxygen right now. Families being devastated. So much tragedy, so much pain, so much that the world identifies is broken. It's broken. We lack ethics. We are greedy. There is fear and discrimination. There is a lack of justice. And everyone holds these things up and says the society is broken. And I was stirred. By remembering the words of Jesus as he looked out over the Israelites, he looked out over Jerusalem, and he, as he saw the pain and the lostness, the headlines were different in those days. But he looked and he said, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They have such a fundamental need that it isn't just a simple clean up campaign that's needed to try and make people a bit more ethical It isn't just, we must stop trying to be so greedy. But there is something in the heart of people that they are going through this life without knowing a good shepherd that can lead and navigate them through these difficulties. And we're reminded in Psalm 23 of the response that God has to this. Let's read it together, the first five verses. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff. They protect and they comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil, and my cup, my cup overflows with blessings. Overflows. In this real world, we approach God who deeply cares. Who deeply understands, who is moved greatly, and as Jesus wept, he weeps over the lostness. But in God, he has made a way that we can know more than enough. And we looked at last week how that's not just knowing abundance in certain areas of our life, but it's knowing who is not what we have, but it's who we we know. We're going to look at a verse in John 2, which introduces to us the first story of a miracle that Jesus did. You might be familiar with the scene. It was at a great occasion, a wedding. And this wedding, as was customary in Jewish culture, went on for days. And probably the comparative to in a British culture where it might be a disaster if The caterers are bringing out the food. And half of the people haven't been served yet. And the caterer says, we haven't got any food left. And the father of the bride might say, this is a disaster. Well, in this story, the wine ran out. And there were no Tesco Express to go and get some extra bottles. There was no way of ordering in online on a 24-hour delivery. But Jesus was present. And it says in John 2.11 that this miraculous sign, of Jesus instructing them to get water in big jars, and he prayed on it. And as they served what was water, it became not just wine, but it became the best wine. And it says this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time that Jesus revealed his glory. What does that mean? goes on to say, as a result of Jesus revealing his glory, that his disciples believed in him. His disciples got something about Jesus because it wasn't just a story of provision. It wasn't just a story of good wine being made out of water, but it was a revelation. Something of God and who he is and what he carries And the very substance of his being, his glory, was revealed through this miracle. Now, I want to ask the question as we read this psalm that says, My cup overflows with blessing. The good wine, the provision, the glory of God that is revealed. Why would God choose to be our shepherd? How can we say The Lord is my shepherd. How can we dare call him my shepherd? Why has he chosen us to be his sheep? What is so special about you and me that he would choose to be our shepherd? Let's look at this together because it's a really significant question. We know that in the beginning of time, it says God has always been. He's always existed. He's got no beginning. He's got no end. He is a power and a life force that's self-sustaining. It's never grown or developed. He can't be any wiser in 10 years than he is now. He can't learn lessons. He doesn't know. He can't become stronger than he is. He, he always has been omnipotent he always has been omniscient all understanding he always has been god but we read in the beginning of our understanding of time that god created the heavens and the earth and there are levels of the heavens we can look and see the stars in the sky and the heavens that our eyes can see but there are other heavens and we read in a number of the books of the bible We read in Job and Hebrews and Revelation that he populated the heavens with what some translations call sons of God. We understand them as angels, angelic beings. And so those were created before we were created. And so why did God make the angels? Was he lacking a bit of firepower? Was he lacking some help and some support? Did he need some team In order to help him establish some things in the future. Well, let's remember that God is able just to say the word. And it happens. He's able to say, let there be light. And light comes. That's the power of his word. It says in John 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that word was spoken into being. So God doesn't need any help. So the angels weren't created to be part of strengthening who God is. He can't be any stronger. What about us? Why did he make us? This morning, was God hoping that you would worship him well because he was feeling a bit flat today? And he was hoping that there would be something in your heart that would... Give him a pick-me-up in some way. Were we created to try and minister something of a deficit in God's life? Neither the angels, nor you and I, were created to minister to any need in God. He has no need. So why were we created? And why has he become our good shepherd? Why you and why me? Well, before I get onto to that a bit more, let's look at something that happened at the very beginning of time. When God made the heavens and the earth, and when He began to make mankind, we know that something of a rupture happened, and that rupture. Instead of the earth being filled with the glory of God, the earth is now filled with the things that caused those headlines I referred to earlier on. The hatred, the injustice, the greed, the lack of ethics. Those things came into the world not as an expression of God, but as a contrary to God. Something happened to change things. And I know many of you will know where I'm going with that. God dwells in the highest heavens. He created the angelic beings and He created you and me. Not because He had a need, but because He is perfect, unending love. And love loves to love. You were made to be loved. By the good shepherd. Yes. Amen. You were designed to be in a, an intricate, intimate relationship that would be the expression of the overflow of his love. That's why we're designed. Amen. And we can know him as our good shepherd today, not because we say, God, I pledge to serve you. And he says, okay, then in that case, I'll be your shepherd. He has chosen to be our good shepherd because you are the objects of his love because you are loved beyond measure you cannot accumulate the experiences of love in this world that would be satisfactory as an explanation to understand how God loves you Many of your definitions of love will come from understanding of Hollywood films. And they'll come from experiences in this life. Some of you have experienced the injury that comes when love fails and goes wrong. But the Bible says that the love that God has is beyond our comprehension, it's beyond our understanding. And you are formed out of that love. You are an expression of love. Interested that even in today's world, one of the expressions of the intimate act that a husband and wife may experience in order to procreate is that they make love. And there's this beautiful imagery of God overflowing with love and making his beings, you and I. So you're not chosen because. You're the best in your field. You're not chosen because you've deserved anything. You are loved because that's what you were born out of. And that love is an expression of the glory of God. See, fear has come into the world, and we we'll look at this in a moment, how this has happened. But fear came into the world, and, and that came in through sin. And fear, in many ways, is the glory of sin. When sin is allowed to prosper, fear comes into a nation. It comes into lives. It comes into families. It comes into communities. Sin breeds fear. Fear is its glory. But God's glory is love. Nearly all the problems we face in human society, they would disappear if only we could know the unending love of God. At the center of many of our problems and our difficulties is fear. Fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of death, fear of sickness, fear of not being able to take care of ourselves when we get older, fear of what may happen to our loved ones. Fear has gripped our world. There are so many things to frighten us in this world. But what is the answer to all our fears? It is love. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will, His glory, His love, His shepherding, His commitment to us. Why is that so real? Why is it so important? If we go back to creation again, there are some words that appear fairly regularly in the creation story. We see God formed the earth. He made the light and the dark, made the agriculture, made the animals. And there's a phrase that we find repeated in that account. It says it is it is good. God looked and he recognized his creation was good. That means he was pleased with it. He was delighted With the result, he didn't look and say, "Uh uh-oh, that was a little bit of a iffy one, wasn't it? (laughs) He looked and said, it is good. And then he made man, the dust of the earth. And it says he breathed into Adam. Now, was that like a kiss of life? upon a corpse. Is that what God was doing? Basically, he made the shell of the body and then he said, oh, all they need is some oxygen now. So I'm just going to breathe some oxygen. Well, God is spirit. I don't think he's got a set of lungs. And he breathed life. And it wasn't just breathing oxygen. It was breathing his spirit, his glory into mankind. He was breathing his very nature into mankind. He was breathing into his people that which is himself, and that 's where life came. He breathed his spirit into us. He deposited his glory. Dallas Willard, who um, he's actually late Dallas Willard, he is uh, the author of the new reading plan we 're starting today as a church, and if you 've not um, signed up to that, you still can and you can get information from our website but he said this at the moment that adam and eve failed and they listened to the serpent saying do you really trust god said this adam did not see himself as naked and did not realize his and did not realize his vulnerability because he was surrounded By a glow of light, like the one that encompassed Moses on Mount Sinai and Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Because of this glow from the light of God resting upon him, Adam did not realize his finitude. He did not realize where he ended and everything else began. That the glory of the Lord breathed into Adam's life was a part of him. He never, ever woke up and felt fear. He never woke up and thought, am I good enough for God? He never doubted who he was. He had no concerns of insecurity in his life or fears about what would happen on that day or where he would get his meals from. There were no concerns about him. Why? Because he was connected into the glory of God. And he knew. That God would take care of his needs. He didn't even know what a need was. Because he was so intrinsically linked, he lived in that glory. And then we read that sin came into the world. And it was like mankind's declaration, I am going to do this my way. God, I can do this without you, thank you very much. And it's interesting that that moment was the moment that they thought, uh, we're naked. We need to hide. This wasn't about clothes. This wasn't about them suddenly realizing, oh no, now we've got knowledge. We realize we're not wearing anything. This was about vulnerability. This was they felt exposed. This was suddenly the glory that had surrounded their life and connected them so intimately to God was gone. And they were aware of how vulnerable and how in need they were. How could we even look at God now? We live in a naked world. A world that has lost the glory of God. A world that has lost an understanding of the goodness of God in them. A world that knows it can trust God. And God says, I am your shepherd. And I want to lead you back into that place of glory in your life. I want to lead you into that place where you trust me completely. That good was ruptured with one single blow the surrounding light of God was lifted and their instinct was to hide fear mistrust anger rage disappointment now these things are the normal currency of this world and we get these Expressions of, this isn't right, and the world sees our nakedness. And Jesus says, you're like sheep without a shepherd. Such fear and mistrust can live lurking in all of our hearts. Even in the closest of friendships and relationships, in the closest of marriages. There are usually at least times where you begin to wonder whether you should feel as secure as you actually are. What happens if something goes wrong? What do they mean when they said that? What was their motive for doing that? Fear lurks in every human relationship on the world. And God never designed it that way. He designed there to be trust and love. Perfect love casts out fear. It's rare to see any relationship that has eliminated all reference points of distrust in their lives because we live in a naked world. A fractured, vulnerable, naked world has been so recognized by even those who don't know God that we have all sorts of expressions of people recognizing it, pointing to it and saying, look at our nakedness few years ago, we had the Me Too campaign. And these are real issues, real causes that the people of God should feel strongly about. It's not right that there are people exploited in this world. It's not right that there are people are abused and manipulated in this world, no matter how much influence someone has. It's not right. And the church should join along with the world and say, yes, we stand up against that as well. Not just me too. Black lives matter. Absolutely they do. And the injustices of our world. And as society points and says, this is not fair, this is not right. Absolutely the church should stand up, the people of God should stand up and say, this is not right. It's part of our nakedness. Fear. Fear despising communities, distrusting. One of the new spotlights is on something called Everyone's Invited. It's school kids leaving stories of how they have experienced some form of sexual exploitation at school in our education system, on our watch. And we should care about that church. We want our schools to be a fair and a safe place for our young people. We should care about that. Recently, in campaigns about ending violence against women, and we should care deeply about that. I want to live in a world where my wife and my daughter and you can walk safely and freely without fear of harm. We care about these things. And the world points to them and says... Look at these terrible things. But they're part of the nakedness of the fall. They're, they're the loss of the glory of God in the world. And the answer is not just campaigning, the answer is not just legislation. The answer is the people of God knowing that they walk alongside the good shepherd and they rise up with as people of the glory of the Lord. Because it's only perfect love that can eliminate fear. It's only when the people of God stop just posturing themselves online and saying, yes, we're with this campaign. It's when the people of God get on their knees and they weep like Jesus wept over the state of our world. When they say, look how naked this world is, look how lost this world is, and they rise up off their knees and they say, God, we are going to be radical expressions of your glory on the face of the earth. The scripture says that the glory of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And that's not just a, a, an expression of us praying and suddenly this beautiful presence and aroma of God surrounds the earth and people start running to churches. The glory of the Lord is contained within the, the love of God. The radical love of God. And the people of God are called to rise up with that love. If you've been campaigning with fear, if you've been standing up against opponents of justice, with anger that comes from a place that's internal, can I encourage you? to take the hand of the Good Shepherd and let him walk you into a place where we see the glory of God. I believe, I really believe this, and you're entitled to have a different perspective, but I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is wanting to break out around the earth like never before. Amen. I believe there's a movement of God, a revival, an awakening, What call it whatever name you want to. I believe that God is determining a purpose and a time in the seasons of the world to bring a revelation of himself because his heart is the good shepherd who looks and sees this world as sheep without a shepherd. And I believe as God sees me too, he weeps. I believe as God looks and sees racial injustice, he weeps. Yeah. Yeah. I believe as God sees these young people posting online about their experiences of sexual exploitation, I believe he weeps. And I believe it's in the heart of God when we take the hand of a shepherd. That some of the places he takes us are those places of weeping, you know their lament, their pain, their burdens. But I believe as we allow him to lead us, we rise up a prophetic voice and we become the expressions of the glory of God on the earth. If I can turn you in closing, and maybe the band can come and join me. Ephesians 3, verses 14 onwards. See, the real answer is not to disguise ourself and our nakedness behind some fig leaves, but to accept the good shepherd's hand of restoration and to be a people filled with his glory. There is more than enough. He never runs out. And Ephesians 3 says this. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. That your roots will grow down into God's love. And those roots will keep you strong. And may you have power, the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience, may you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to understand fully. But then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God now all glory to God who is able whatever your past has been if your life has been filled with the glory of sin and you're riddled with fear then right now may the glory of God fill your life, may His perfect unending love cast out fear in you if insecurities have marked your relationships, if insecurities have led your heart, if you've been holding hand in hand with fear as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, if fear has been the one that's led you, then may you right now take your hand out of fear's hand and place it in the hand of the good shepherd who has more than enough love. Now, all glory to God, who is able, through His mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church. Glory to Him in the church. Glory to God in the church. Why don't you stand with me, and why don't you say... Glory to God in in your church, oh God. Glory to God in the church. And why don't you open your hands up to heaven and say, fill me with your glory. I say no to fear. I say no to the ways of this world. I say no to those insecurities that riddled my life. I say no. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever, amen. As the band sing a song that you will probably not be familiar with, it's a song that says about making room for God in our lives. I want to invite you in this prayerful response, to place your hand in the hand of the Good Shepherd. Say, lead me, guide me, and fill me with your glory. If you want to kneel, if you want to lay on the floor, if you want to stand, or if you want to be seated, but let this song be your expression of commitment to making room for God's glory in your life. Thank you, Ben.